Hello everyone, this is Rico, and this is Trexin Sci-Fi, show 74, for September the 17th, 2006. Yes, time marches on, it's already the middle of September, and we're going to be looking at the pilot episode of Star Trek Voyager this week, along with some voicemails and a fan focus segment, so stay tuned, here we go. This is Rico, and I'm your host for Treks in Sci-Fi. This week's show, like I said earlier, is going to be mainly about Star Trek Voyager, the first pilot episode. I'm finally getting around to looking at Voyager. We've got uh, quite a few voicemails to go through, a fan focus segment, which will uh, focus on a uh, member on the Treks in Sci-Fi forums, Joby, who talks a little bit about himself and his interests in Star Trek and other things, so that'll be coming up here shortly. First, I'd like to make a, a few kind of general announcements. Uh, the first one, for all the people that have ordered T-shirts, I did finally this past week place the order with the T-shirt uh, maker. Uh, I've got them the artwork and everything is good, I think. Uh, they say approximately two weeks for getting the shirts back, and then I'll uh, package them up and mail them off to the different people that ordered them. I want to thank them, of course, already again. That for the orders, I did order a, a few extra uh, large and extra large sizes. I've got a couple of extra of each of those. So if anyone's still interested in a T-shirt, you can still order via the link on the website, treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. If you're still interested, or just shoot me an email, treksf at gmail.com, and let me know uh, you'd like one, and uh, I'll write you down for that. I've got a uh, I've got a few voicemails to get through, so I'm sort of interspersed these throughout the show. I think the first one I wanted to play is there was a f- uh, 40th anniversary convention that somebody on the forums uh, went to that I am going to play some audio of what his experiences were at the convention for you uh, right now. Hey everybody, my name is Sam Graff. I go by Picard Delta Five on the forums. And at the request of Rico, I am going to comment a little bit about the uh, Star Trek 40th year anniversary convention that just happened today that I went to. Um, today is Saturday. That's the day that uh, that was the big day with Shatner and Nimoy. And it was it was really something. Just seeing both of them on stage, it was great. 
Before I got there, I figured I would just buy a general admissions ticket and a William Shatner autograph ticket. But there was actually this guy there selling a gold weekend preferred seating pass for really cheap. So I was able to get that. I bought that from him and I was able to get autographs from everybody there for free because that came with the ticket. Um, So I had a really great time. I was going around getting – I got Shatner, Nimoy, and Robert Picardo and Ethan Phillips autographs. Um, But the the highlight was definitely when William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy were up on stage together – and they were doing this whole back and forth thing that they do, and uh, people were asking questions, and it was just really great. It was so funny. Um, there was some really cool stuff that went on today. I really enjoyed uh, getting to meet uh, Ethan Phillips. He, he's really a funny guy. I was standing about like five feet away from the table where he was signing autographs. And he burped really loudly. And then he turned and looked at me. And he said, aren't you going to say excuse me? And, and he was kidding. And it was it was just really funny. And so I talked to him for a little while. Um, I, I What I thought was just incredible was when they started doing William Shatner photo ops. And you should have seen the lines. They were... There were lines wrapping around the entire hotel. I mean, there were there was part of the line was going outside. Some of it was going downstairs and went all the way up the staircase. It was just unbelievable. Uh, since I was there the whole day, there was definitely a couple of hours here and there where there was just nothing to do. But what I really loved was that um, it was so easy to just strike up a conversation with people you didn't know because everybody there shares like all the same interests as you um and i probably spent about two hours talking with this uh one vendor and these two people that i didn't know just about sci-fi and stuff Uh, it was really fun well i don't want to take up too much time on rico's podcast so i'm just gonna stop right now if you guys have any other questions you can just ask me on the forum I took a bunch of pictures. I don't know how good they are, but uh, I'm going to put those up on the website. So, yeah, I guess that's it. Um, Thanks for listening. And uh, thank you, Rico, for just doing the podcast every week. I guess that's it. Bye. Well, thanks, thanks, Sam, for that great report. Uh, Yeah, I... I always uh, really enjoyed going to conventions. I haven't gone in a, in a while. I need to uh, to get to one soon. It, that that is one of the greatest things about going to them that you can just uh, anyone you you meet there that's a that's a fan or a vendor or anyone is just you know these people all enjoy and love Star Trek and you can you can just go up to them and start talking about it. You know you're sitting there waiting for a guest to come out and you can turn to the person to the left or right of you and and. Immediately, you have things uh, in common, and I always enjoyed that. It sounds like it was a, a pretty uh, nice event for you, especially scoring that uh, uh, preferred gold ticket, uh, kind of like a almost Willy Wonka thing. Uh, I, uh, I'm really glad you had a chance to go. I think if I remember from you talking on the forums, that was your first big uh, Star Trek convention. So those are always uh, the first one's always uh, a lot of fun. You'll probably always remember that. So, yeah, definitely post up some of those photos on the uh, 
on the forum. I'd love to uh, love to see them. And thanks again for that great report. And next up, I'm going to play a audio uh, phone call from Scott, uh, who's on the forums also. This is his uh, his reminiscence of uh, the 40th anniversary of Trek. So listen to this. Hey, man. This is Scott from the forums. And I've been a little busy lately, so I wasn't able to send you my comments for your 40th anniversary episode. I'll go ahead and send them now. Hopefully they're not too late for you. <laughs> um I was born in 1980, and I remember watching the Star Trek episode, the original series, before Next Generation came out, so I was pretty young, actually. So, when I was watching those, I actually remember having adult thoughts in my head, as opposed to, uh, you know, wonderment and adventure like a kid would have. I remember seeing those original episodes uh, where they were on a planet that was identical to Earth, and I remember thinking, uh, why are they on planets like Earth? This is space. They should be on planets that are very alien and different from Earth. And that's, those are the kind of thoughts that were going through my mind when I was watching it. And uh, now when I watch the same episodes, I feel the wonderment that a kid would feel, but at the same time, I'm still analyzing the, the episodes of all of all the Star Trek series. And, um, I mean, there's, there are a lot of... Uh, television shows now that I feel the same way about, one in particular that's not my favorite series, but I won't get into that, but there's a place in my heart for Star Trek because uh, it was pretty much my first, and it's kind of like your first love, you know, you never like love anything the same way, you know, <laughs> so I just thought I'd give you my comments on that. And thanks, Scott, for that uh, very uh, nice uh, little discussion about your reminiscence of the Star Trek, and yeah, it's like I was saying earlier about the the conventions and you know people that are interested in this, and it's one of the first things a lot of people uh, that are sci-fi fans get into. Uh, that's a piece of entertainment on television, and it is always kind of the has a special spot in your heart, I guess, is is what it uh, comes down to. And I've got uh, another audio comment here. Like I said, I think on a previous podcast, I'm going to stick mostly to playing audio comments. And not so much the the written uh, emails anymore. I'm not going to really be reading a lot of those unless there's a real particular one that needs some attention. Those I'll just respond to written. But the audio comments will will most likely make it on the show. And again, uh, send an MP3 or you can call the voicemail line at 206-88-TREX uh, with uh, your audio comments about what uh, whatever you want to talk about in terms of Trek and sci-fi and so forth. The next comment here is from Anthony. He's also on the forums, and he has some uh, congratulations for my uh, one year of podcasting, I think. So here we go with Anthony. Hey again, Rico. It's Anthony, a.k.a. Risky Godfather, on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I just wanted to make a belated congratulations to your one year of podcasting. Sorry, it's it's late. I've uh, been really busy with school just starting up, but uh, the past year you've done a really good job on every one of the podcasts you've done. I've enjoyed every single one of them from uh, the very first podcast, Um, and I love all your analysis of sci-fi and Star Trek, and uh, I especially love your collectible review. I always love listening to those and uh, I, I like when you 
the one podcast where you added pictures at the end of uh, the collectible, I think you should do that more often, even if maybe the whole podcast uh, shouldn't be uh, photos like you did that one time, but maybe just at the end show a few pictures of the collectibles. Maybe that's something to think about. But anyway, congratulations on one year, and also congratulations to Star Trek for being probably the most popular show for the past 40 years. Um, So again, great job, Rico. Keep up the good work, and uh, see you on the forums. And thank you, Anthony. I will definitely see you on the forums. Uh, I know uh, a lot of people have been busy at the beginning of the school year, and no problem about uh, sending in those things later like that. That's great. Thanks, Anthony. As far as the photos on the podcast, I think uh, Anthony was referring to the enhanced podcast I did once. That, uh, right now at least, I don't have the ability to do that currently. It's a little more complex. Uh, it requires different kinds of software and so forth. And the 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 really um, what I do normally is if I'm talking about a collectible, I have in the podcast notes link off the main website. I have links and pictures there of any collectibles I'm discussing. So you'll just have to go uh, to the website and check it out in the in the gallery and the collectible section uh, there. There's definitely lots of photos uh, to take a look at. Uh, if I discuss a collectible, there's usually more uh, more on the website always. So thanks for your comments, Anthony. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. I have to uh, mention that for some reason the I'm having a little trouble with the audio balancing of the podcast today. I don't know if anyone will notice this. I, I'm trying to see what's going on but if you if you find that the podcast is maybe a little quieter or the audio balance the volume levels are not quite even this week i apologize for some reason that that i'm getting some weird uh things going on from the mixer and so forth don't want to get into that too much and spend a lot of time but just wanted to mention it uh as uh as something uh, i am working on now what i think i'd like to talk about here right now and I'm going to then get into the Voyager discussion. I do have a couple of more audio uh, clips and things to play that I'll play later in the show. But the thing I want to talk about now for the next couple of minutes is the first episode of the Star Trek, uh, I guess we'll call it Star Trek Enhanced TOS or Star Trek TOS Enhanced, whatever. It is this uh, new versions uh, of the old episodes, the 79 original episodes that they're broadcasting and redoing kind of now with new uh, CGI effects primarily is what they're adding in. I've talked about this again the last few weeks that this is in, that it was coming, and I sat down this morning and I watched the first episode, which the first one that they broadcast in my area, and I think for most people, is the episode Balance of Terror. You know, that's of course the one that, I actually did a podcast about that episode not too long ago, but it's the one where they first meet up with the Romulans and they sort of have a battle uh, between the Romulan ship and, and the Enterprise. A, a good episode to start with for this enhanced uh, Star Trek. You know, there's some ship effects, some phaser fire and and all that. So I just, uh, I hope everyone who is a Star Trek fan gets a chance to see these. In my area, they're being broadcast at a very odd time. This one was shown early, early Sunday morning or late Saturday night, depending on your perspective like 2 a.m., and uh, so I, of course, had to set my TiVo to record it. Uh, in a nutshell, I'm not going to talk about this too much, but I think they've they've done a really good job. The added uh, or changed CGI effects, basically, of the space shots of the Enterprise, the Romulan ship, 
the Romulan ship firing its weapon uh, and all that uh, was was really well done. I uh, I'm listening or listening, excuse me. I'm watching this via uh, Comcast cable through my TiVo, even set at high quality. Uh, you know, everyone's saying they've remastered these and cleaned up the the pictures. It's a little tricky for me to determine that because the broadcast isn't isn't top notch. I mean, my DVDs look a lot crisper and sharper still than a broadcast, even through cable for me. So. I'm not going to comment too much about the overall picture quality. It did seem maybe a little bit more colorful, a little richer. Uh, the effects were very well done. I thought they did a good job. They weren't too distracting. It wasn't like they overdid these these effects and had the Enterprise doing all kinds of fancy moves or anything like that. They really mimicked the old show in terms of the way the Enterprise flew by the screen. It just cleaned it up a little. Of course, it's a CGI ship now instead of the old model. Uh, I think it gives you a little bit, you get a better look at the Enterprise, you know, the the old model shots and effect shots. The Enterprise was kind of a white blur, didn't have a lot of distinctive features. Uh, this uh, this definitely enhances it, I think, and it, but it's not to the point where it, it's distracting. I, I think they did a really good job at balancing the two of those things out. I will mention, though, the one thing that was kind of annoying overall was the fact that because these are being broadcast in syndication, and I think this is going to be true for most people, they're cutting little bits of the episode out. This is just back in the like the old, old days of Star Trek syndication where they had to cut parts out of the episodes to put more commercial time in. And it's, it's rather annoying, actually. I, I sat down with my younger son to watch this this morning, and I had to keep telling him, oh, they cut this little bit out, they cut that little bit out. And I found that kind of frustrating, but the effects uh, are, are definitely pretty cool. And I will—I'm uh, going to try to to capture a few frames off the off this TiVo video that I've got and put them up on the website on the forums, probably. So, so look for that if you're a member there uh, in the near future. But overall, definitely check out these Star Trek enhanced episodes. Very much well worth watching. All right, just a couple more things before we get into the the meat of this week's uh, podcast, which is, of course, the pilot episode of Voyager. Uh, The first one I want to say right now is, I should have said this at the beginning of the show today, this podcast is probably going to run a little longer. I I did have some things I was going to do for a Wednesday show this week. Wednesday turned into be a, a very crazy day for me, so I just wasn't up to doing a Wednesday show. So this show is probably going to run a little like more like an hour, 15, an hour, 20 minutes total. Just wanted to warn people about that. And the other thing uh, that Kenny on the forums posted about that I wanted to make mention of on the podcast, the NBC sci-fi show from last season called Surface is having an ongoing still save uh, Surface uh, campaign. And I really enjoyed this series. It ended in a kind of a cliffhanger definitely ended way too soon there were a lot of unresolved issues and the series is now out on dvd also so if you missed it i definitely recommend picking it up but the the um the thing i wanted to say here though is there's going to be i think it's uh savesurface.com let me just check that link right out for a second here yes the uh the link is savesurface.com and there's a new campaign kind of an ongoing campaign going to to try to bring the show back on another network so it's uh, still a possibility, and I urge everyone, if you're a fan of Surface and a fan of good sci-fi, to check out that website. I'll put a link in the podcast notes. So let's try to bring Surface back. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Johnson from the Extra Life Radio Show. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with my friend Rico. A man blue. 
Okay, let's get into Star Trek Voyager. Now, th- this uh, this series I haven't covered before on the podcast, so I'm going to l- spend a little time to give you a little uh, background info on Voyager. This uh, series, uh, the the third of the Star Trek spinoffs, if you don't count the animated series, premiered in January 1995. Now, this series, Star Trek Voyager, was kind of unique in the fact that it launched uh, the the Paramount TV network, UPN, which is actually, of course, gone now, is, is merging with the WB network to form the CW network this fall. Not that important, but the, you know, the... This was uh, considered sort of the flagship show when UPN first launched back in 1995, Star Trek Voyager. The The Voyager uh, show was uh, getting back to sort of a space-based show. You know, they had The Next Generation. They had Deep Space Nine, which was primarily set on, on Deep Space Nine. And then they had Voyager, which got you back to a, a ship-bound uh, uh, Star Trek series. The uh, the interesting twist on this one, of course, as everyone who's probably listening to the podcast knows, is that Star Trek Voyager was unique in the fact that the Voyager ship and crew were, were hurled across the galaxy to another quadrant and very much cut off from Starfleet and everything that they knew. It lasted a, a total of seven seasons, like was sort of the magic number for most of the Star Trek spinoffs. 172 episodes and ended in a in a pretty good finale I thought in May of 2001. Now the uh, the primary cast members you had Kate Mulgrew as as Catherine Janeway the captain. She was a a, a very much a last minute entry because they had originally gone with a a different actress to play uh, Janeway. The French actress Genevieve Bujold, I think that's how you say her name, who was in a uh, the movie I always remember her from a long time ago, I think in the 1970s movie, was a movie called Coma with Michael Douglas. She's a French actress, uh, again, Genevieve Bujold, was originally cast to play Captain Janeway. Now, for those who um, maybe don't know that actress, she's, she's a rather small person, uh, kind of, I would call her kind of small and slight in stature. And the, um, the interesting fact is, is she's she's French, has a little bit of an accent, and, you know, Captain Picard from Star Trek The Next Generation was supposed to be also French, even though he never really had a French accent on the show. So not really sure why they decided to go with another French person. They wanted to obviously have a woman in command of this ship. But the, the story goes that after a couple of days of filming uh, with uh, Bujold, that she basically, that, that the actress herself decided that this show, that doing Voyager, was not for her. Uh, I'm not really sure of all the reasons, where, you know, if it was too much work, if she didn't feel suited to the role, what, are all, what all the details are. But the interesting, I guess, point about this in Star Trek history and lore is, is the fact that there were some, a few early scenes filmed with her as Captain Janeway, but those were, of course, eventually scrapped, and they had to hire Kate Mulgrew for the role of Janeway. Now, I have always thought Janeway, uh, Kate Mulgrew, does a good job in a difficult situation. You know, they'd never had a female captain before. It's it's a tricky line to be, I think, a female and in command of basically a bunch of guys on a ship. But I think for the most part, she pulls off pulls it off pretty well overall throughout the series. 
Some episodes, of course, were not as good as others, but I think overall they, they do a good job on Voyager. I'd say it's maybe not as strong a series as either Deep Space Nine or the, the uh, excuse me, Next Generation was, but it, they definitely uh, were always trying things. They had a lot of interesting uh, run-ins with the Borg over the years and lots of good stuff going on. So just just some background there on the show itself. I think the main cast, uh, all, all the people on the show were, were very good actors, strong actors. I think they had a good chemistry just like most of the – you know, one of the great things I've thought about all the Star Trek series is they've, they've really cast them well. I think it comes down to some of the the script writing and the stories where they have both positive and negative uh, scripts, you know, some that are good, some that are bad. But the the cast and and people and the crew and everyone working on all the various series, I think, have done a top-notch job, and and Star Trek Voyager was no exception. Now, I actually thought, again, that this was going to be the episode I was never going to be able to be reviewing, but... I picked up the first season on DVD of Voyager, which is one of the reasons why I hadn't got around to doing this yet. And I popped the disc in, the the, the first episode, uh, The Caretaker, last night to try to collect some audio clips. And, and get, guess what, gang? The, the first disc in this set that I bought from Best Buy uh, had scratches all over the disc. I've got to return the set. I couldn't get the thing to play. So, hey, what does Rico do, who's, you know, the MacGyver of podcasts? He pulls out, dusts off, finds, digs out of a box his old Star Trek Voyager videotapes, pops pops one in a video recorder, patches it into his computer, and lo and behold, with it takes a little longer to zip through a videotape than a DVD, but I, I captured audio for you guys. I didn't want to disappoint you because I had announced I was going to do Voyager, so darn it, that's what I'm doing this week. And with that, let's start getting into the audio that I have uh, collected from the video tapes. I think the audio came out pretty good, actually, so I don't think you're going to notice much of a difference between audio collected from the videotape versus a DVD. There's a couple of times you might notice it, but overall, I think it should be good. The uh, The overall setup, of course, of the first pilot episode of Voyager is there's this group of sort of rebels out there fighting uh, the Cardassians called the Maquis, and there is a rogue ship that's out in this area of space called the Badlands uh, with uh, Chakotay at that time is sort of a, a member of the Maquis. So is Balana Torres, who ends up being the engineer on Voyager, and Tuvok is sort of a spy for Starfleet on, on their ship. Well, they're out in the Badlands, and the, the Voyager uh, ship and, and Janeway and crew are assigned to the task to go find them and bring them in, kind of. So they they head out, and she recruits a a sort of a, a criminal. And one of the that's one of the interesting things about Voyager is that some of the people in the crew to begin with are not really the the sort of model citizens that most of the Starfleet crews have been in the past Star Trek series. You saw a little bit of that in Deep Space Nine, not so much in Next Generation, where everyone was pretty much goody two shoes. But in Voyager, definitely, there's some of the crew that aren't uh, the best of people. And one of those is the guy who ends up being the, the flyboy, the pilot of, of Voyager, is Tom Paris, who is, uh, in the beginning of the show, uh, in a sort of a penal colony on Earth because of, uh, well, there were some people, an incident that happened, some people got killed in, a, in a, an accident, and he was he was basically partially to blame for that. And so... Um, so Janeway goes and recruits him to be the uh, the pilot because he knows the Maquis and he knows the Badlands. So she needs him for Voyager at least to get him there and and help them out. So he agrees to it. Uh, I think there's a deal struck. I didn't collect that audio clip, but there's a deal that he'll sort of be able to get out of prison if he helps him out on this uh, mission. 
The first clip, though, that I want to play is a scene where uh, Ensign Kim, Harry Kim, who is the, uh, he's sort of the ops guy. He's like a communications, weapons, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, officer on the bridge, very naive, first uh, real big assignment in space. He joins the crew along with Paris, and they're uh, meeting Janeway in her quarters on Voyager. So that's this audio clip, uh, sort of a setup for that. So I'll play that for you right now. Gentlemen. Welcome aboard, Voyager. Thank you, sir. Mr. Kim, at ease before you sprain something. Ensign, despite Starfleet protocol, I don't like being addressed as sir. I'm sorry, ma'am. Ma'am is acceptable in a crunch, but I prefer captain. We're getting ready to leave. Let me show you to the bridge. Did you have any problems getting here, Mr. Paris? None at all, Captain. My first officer, Lieutenant Commander Cavett, Ensign Kim, Mr. Paris. Welcome aboard. Ensign Kim, this is your station. Would you like to take over? Yes, ma'am. It's not crunch time yet, Mr. Kim. I'll let you know when. That scene gives you it gives you good flavor for the characters. You know, Paris is is not uh, really well thought of. Everyone kind of knows his history. He is the son, though, of a, a pretty famous admiral in Starfleet, Admiral Paris, who pops up a few times throughout the series. So he's got a lot to uh, kind of live up to, and he's sort of the bad boy of the crew. Eventually, that that of course changes over the years. He gets hooked up with Balana and settles down, kind of, and and. The, the neat thing in this episode that I really kind of enjoy, one of the parts uh, of many that I think they do a good job in the pilot, is the relationship between uh, Harry Kim, the, the young, very fresh-faced ensign, and Tom Paris, the seasoned sort of bad boy guy. There's um, Harry and him become friends, good friends, over the series, and even at the beginning, there's people on the Voyager crew that are kind of like, you know, stay away from that Paris guy. He's a bad, bad seed. He's a bad guy. And Harry doesn't really like that. He doesn't like people telling him who, who can be his friends and who can't be his friends. And he, he sort of defends uh, um, Paris, who, of course, turns out to be a pretty valuable member member of the crew as the years go on. So he's he's right to sort of back him up and defend him. And, and I like the fact that Harry has his own mind uh, about those things. The, uh, the next clip, we're going to get uh, right into, I think, let me see here. Yeah, this, uh, this next one, what, you know, what happens at the beginning of this episode is, is the Maquis ship is, is whisked away in the Badlands, away from that area, through this sort of, you know, spatial wave that's, that's out in front of the ship. And the same thing, of course, happens to Voyager, which is, which is basically, you know, that's, that's what carries them 70,000 light years way, way, way out into the Delta Quadrant. So I'll play that uh, situation on Voyager for you now. Initiating graviton field. The graviton field had no effect. Full impulse. The wave will intercept us in 12 seconds. Can we go to warp? Not until we clear the plasma field, Captain. Five seconds. Brace for impact. Three. Ah! 
as as normal on both uh, Star Trek Voyager, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine. Some very cool effects uh, of the this wave that sweeps Voyager. You know, this huge distance. And they don't really know, of course, originally what happens. They think it's probably something from the Badlands that is sort of natural to that area. They don't know that it's uh, it's not a natural phenomenon that, that carried them this far uh, away from the Federation and, and Federation space, but it's, uh, it's this weird uh, array and caretaker that's out there way in the Delta Quadrant that's been pulling all these ships over the years to his area of space. The next clip here, I'll, I'll just play right away. This uh, it gives you a little status report after they've been swept over there of what their uh, circumstances are and the realization that they're a long way far, far from home right now. Captain, is something out there? I need a better description than that, Mr. Kim. I don't know. I'm reading. I'm not sure what I'm reading. Can you get the view screen operational? I'm trying. Captain, if these sensors are working, we're over 70,000 light years from where we were. We're on the other side of the galaxy. Well, yes, that's a bit of a predicament, I'd say. The There's a, a few things that, of course, every first episode of, of just about every season, every season, excuse me, every show, whether it's Star Trek or otherwise, needs to do. And that's, of course, to introduce all your main cast and characters. Now, this pilot episode of Voyager was kind of a little weird and unique because there are characters and positions in place because of what happens throughout the episode, though, that end up being replaced with other characters. For example, the the first officer uh, aboard Voyager that Janeway has to begin with gets killed, ends up being killed, and ends up being, of course, replaced by Chakotay later on and, and for the rest of the uh, the run of Voyager. It's kind of uh, interesting and a little kind of, well, you already know that, you know, because when these Star Trek series especially are first created, the cast and the actors are, are released, you know, who's playing what roles and things like that. So even before Voyager premiered, you know, I, I at least knew, and a lot of people probably knew that we're following Star Trek that, you know, such and such was going to play the doctor, such and such was going to play the first officer, so on and so forth. So when you see these other actors and characters in the roles, you go, well, that's not who I heard was going to play the first officer, or that's not who was going to play the doctor, which uh, which is kind of, eh, it, it makes it a little awkward almost in a way to watch when that happens, because you go, oh, something's going to happen to such and such, because he's not part of the regular crew and cast, so it's it's not a big thing, but I just thought I'd say something about it because uh, that's sort of a prelude to one of the most interesting characters on the on Voyager who is the doctor, the emergency medical hologram program played by Robert Picardo. Now, what happens again is the doctor, the, the regular chief medical officer aboard Voyager, is killed. So the neat thing, you know, Voyager is the most state-of-the-art Starfleet vessel at the time. It's got all kinds of uh, different circuitry, neural packs running its computer systems, and a lot of things like that. And one of the other very interesting things that it has, it has this hologram. You know, you've seen the holodeck on Next Generation. It can create uh, objects. It can create even people 
to uh, interact with. So, hey, well, why can't we program a, a computer simulation, a computer hologram with all the medical knowledge that we can pump into it and make him a doctor? Which was a very cool idea, I thought. And the this is your sort of data, Spock, your, your character on Voyager that's not quite human, but always kind of longing to be more like one of the crew, and that's the character of the Doctor, who uh, it never really has a, uh, a real name throughout the course of Voyager. There's a couple times he's referred to or thought of as Dr. Zimmer, Zimmerman, excuse me, who was basically one of the chief guys who created the emergency, the EMH program to begin with. Or, or I think maybe he was the, one of the doctors it was modeled after. I'm, I'm a little sketchy on remembering exactly how that went, whether he worked on the program, was a doctor, or both. Uh, maybe somebody will email me and correct me up on that. But they had thought to give him a name uh, at, at early on, uh, and that's why I, I, they were threw around the Zimmerman name, but it never came to be. He, he was always just referred to uh, – as the doctor or the EMH. Uh, in the next clip, I will play you some of that. And, you know, Robert Picardo does a great job in in this episode and in Voyager overall. He, he's a really wonderful actor, always does a, a fun job in just about everything I've seen him in. He's He's been popping up uh, lately on, on some of the Stargate shows. He's just got a certain personality that's uh, that, that's kind of neat, and he, he really fits the role of the doctor very well, I think, or the EMH program. So I'll play you. Uh, some of that uh, for you right now. Computer, initiate emergency medical holographic program. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Multiple percussive injuries. Status of your doctor? He's dead. 0.4 cc's of trianoline. Trianoline? We lost our nurse, too. How soon are replacement medical personnel expected? That could be a problem. We're pretty far away from replacements right now. Tricorder? Medical tricorder. A replacement must be requested as soon as possible. I am programmed only as a short-term emergency supplement to the medical team. Well, we may be stuck with you for a while, Doc. There's no need for concern. I am capable of treating any injury or disease. No concussion, you'll be fine. Clean him up. Yeah, he's just... He's just really great when he does those scenes. He, you know, there's just the slightest hint of annoyance in his voice when uh, Harry hands him a regular tricorder instead of a medical tricorder to begin with, and you know he's like, "Well, you guys need a need to order a regular doctor to replace me. I'm only temporary." And uh, then he says, uh, "Well, we might not be able to do that. Uh, well, that's okay because I'm capable of of treating any injury or or curing any disease." and and as he proves uh, over the years on Voyager, he becomes a very useful member of the crew and uh, really helps them out quite a bit, Save, saves them several times throughout the throughout the years uh, because of his unique uh, EMH nature and all and, and definitely changes uh, over the years. One thing I really liked the way they did the Doctor is they didn't make him sort of this emotionless uh, sort of logical computer program. You know, you would have thought that... Uh, as a, a computer-generated doctor, there was no reason to give him much of a personality. You know, they could have just given him all the knowledge here. You know, you're, you've got a broken leg. This is what you do. Fix it, so on. But they didn't do that. They realized, the, the programmers realized that a doctor has to be more than just, 
you know, goes down through this diagnosis, figures out what's wrong with you, fixes it, and pushes you on your way. A lot of what a doctor has to do, it's kind of the bedside manner thing where he has to interact with his patients in order to make them feel a certain way and, and help them. And being a doctor is more than just the knowledge of, you know, how to treat illnesses and diseases. And, wow, I didn't expect to get on a little doctor or soapbox there, uh, but... I have to admit, you know, the few times I've had to go to the doctor, which fortunately knock on uh, knock on my desk or wood, uh, they aren't very often, but it's how they treat you and how they deal with you is just about as important to me as, as how good a doctor they are. Uh, of course, you expect them to be a good doctor, but, but they're, you know, they're dealing with you in, when you're sick, when you're injured with whatever, and you're looking for somebody that's going to be a little more sympathetic, a little more helpful than than just a computer, so... Uh, let's uh, head on here. The There is this big space kind of station thing called the Array that uh, the Voyager crew encounters, you know, when they've been flung 70,000 light years away. This is what they're brought to. And the next clip, uh, I think, is, yeah, this, this clip is when the Voyager crew is sort of whisk, whisked, whisked, uh, excuse me, tongue paralyzed for a second maybe i need an emh uh please state the nature of the medical emergency uh i like it how he always says that when they they bring him on the the next clip the next clip is the voyager crew is is transported to the array by the caretaker and they find that they're sort of on this yeah kind of like a a farm uh, out in out in the middle of the midwest and it's very down home and they're gonna have some corn and have a hoedown and all this and in in Tuvok and I think a few other, oh no, sorry, Tuvok's not with them yet. They they realize that uh, this is kind of an illusion to some degree, and they are trying to figure out what's going on. So I'll play that for you now. Captain, don't believe your eyes, Mister Paris. We've only transported a hundred kilometers. We are inside the array. There's no indication of stable matter. All this must be some kind of holographic projection. Oh, you poor things, you must be tired out. But come on and sit down and rest a while. Have a cold drink. Hmm? No, thank you. My name is Catherine Janeway, captain of the Federation Starship Voyager. Now, just make yourself right at home. The neighbors should be here any minute. Oh, why, here they are. Good to see you. Welcome. We're real glad to drop by. Now we can get started. You're all invited to the welcoming bee. Let's have some music. (laughs) Yeah, nothing like a good old hoedown on a Star Trek episode to get things lively. It's, uh, I, I like, uh, I always like it when aliens decide that, hey, to make it more okay for the humans to deal with things, they make it a familiar setting, like a, like a farm in the Midwest, like, like Q kind of does occasionally on Next Generation. It's just, they've always got this idea that, that we can't handle them in their normal, uh, form and circumstances, but it, there's also a tricky effect of these situations in the in that uh, it, it's easy on production costs. We don't need to create exotic, crazy-looking aliens. We can just have regular humans uh, who look like they're they're out in the middle of Iowa somewhere show up and say, "Well, I'm this super being, but I'm just looking like a uh, a farmer in Iowa." So you guys can you know won't have 
dreams and nightmares about me because I look like this big blob or whatever in, in reality. Uh, a, a tricky situation definitely keeps the production costs down, and they they kind of overdo it a little bit, I, I think, overall. They, they do that kind of thing a little too often. But anyway, let's move on. The next clip, this one is the the McKee ship the, is, of course, over there by the array along with Janeway. Janeway and the crew are pretty much returned to Voyager, and they're, uh, they see the McKee ship, and Janeway's going to talk to them, find out what's going on. They're still missing, though. Janeway's missing Harry Kim. For some reason, he didn't transport back with them to Voyager. So I'll play uh, this audio for you now. Computer, how many crewmen are unaccounted for? One, Ensign Harry Kim. Hail the Marquis. Commander Chakotay, my name is Captain Catherine Janeway. How do you know my name? We were on a mission to find you when we were brought here by the Array. One of our crewmen is missing. Was he transported back to your ship by accident? No. A member of our crew is missing too. Belana Torres, my engineer. Commander, you and I have the same problem. I think it makes sense to try and solve it together, don't you? Three of us will transport to your ship. They're powering down their engines, dropping their shields. Watch out, Captain, they're armed. Put down your weapons. You won't need those here. It's good to have you back, Mr. Tuvok. I must inform you that I was assigned to infiltrate your crew, sir. I am Captain Janeway's chief of security. Yes, yeah, so like I said earlier, a couple more members show up now that are going to be part of the regular crew. Tuvok, played by Tim Russ, uh, who is the security chief on Voyager, uh, a Vulcan, a full Vulcan. Uh, this was since uh, the first uh, original Star Trek series with Spock. This was the first time you had a regular member uh, in a Star Trek uh, series as, as a Vulcan, so that that was an interesting thing, and they, and they made him a black Vulcan, so that was uh, that was kind of neat, and he, he's really good good in this role also. He does a really good job. And Robert Beltran, Beltran I think, is how you say his name. He's Chakotay. He's uh, supposed to be sort of a Native American Indian. You know, they, Star Trek has always tried to create these sort of multinational, multiracial crews, throughout uh, the various series that they've done. And, and Chakotay uh, believes in, in what the Maquis were doing, but he's also uh, he ends up being a very good first officer for Janeway. So so you got him uh, aboard now. And, and Tuvok and Janeway sort of have a past relationship. They have, uh, they've been friends for quite a long time over the years. And Janeway always, uh, she places a lot of trust and always turns to Tuvok throughout the as the years go on, a little bit usually uh, more in the future, uh, maybe with Chakotay being our first officer, but Tuvok has still been a good friend or, of hers for a long time. And that will lead into the next clip that I'm going to play, which is Tuvok and Janeway in her quarters discussing uh, the situation. And, you know, there's always one of these scenes where the captain is, is sort of doubting themselves and has to talk to somebody about it all. So that's kind of what this scene uh, it sort of uh, shows us. So here you go. I never seem to have a chance to get to know any of them. I have to, um... I have to take more time to do that. 
It's a fine crew, and I've got to get them home. The crew will not benefit from the leadership of an exhausted captain. You're right, as usual. I've missed your counsel, Tuvok. I am gratified that you came after me, so I can offer it once again. I spoke to your family before I left. Are they well? Well, but worried about you. That would not be an accurate perception, Captain. Vulcans do not worry. They miss you. As I do them. I'll get you back to them. That's a promise, Tuvok. That's a good scene there. The uh, the crew's almost all in place now, except we've got a couple of last uh, last members to to bring aboard, and these are the the aliens that they sort of discover out in the Delta Quadrant that that become part of the Voyager crew. The characters, of course, are Neelix and Kess. Kess, of course, uh, doesn't last throughout the whole Voyager run; ends up about midway, being sort of replaced with Seven of Nine. But I'll leave that for a future discussion. But anyway, Neelix shows up, and played by Ethan Phillips, he he's really funny. He adds a lot of spice to this um, to this episode, and and overall to the to the whole run of Voyager. I think he does a great job. He's a, he's a funny guy, and he's he's very as you heard even uh, Sam I think talked uh, back in the, his report from the convention where Ethan Phillips he was talking about who I think he was the one who burped and kind of joked about it with uh with sam when he did his reports and that's the kind of guy he is and he's kind of like that in in the character of neelix pretty pretty much full of life very an interesting character and turns out to be sort of the guide helper uh cook aboard voyager and here is the introduction scene where he's on his ship and he's trying to sort of salvage and and grab some things in in this area around uh the array uh, that uh, Voyager has encountered, sort of this debris field, and they find uh, Neelix there, and uh, it's it's a good scene. Let me just play it for you. Whoever you are, I found this way zone first. We're not interested in this debris, Mr. Neelix. And since you're not interested in my debris, well, I'm delighted to know you. Captain Catherine Janeway of the Federation Starship Voyager. A very impressive title. I have no idea what it means, but it sounds very impressive. Do you know this area of space well, Mr. Neelix? I am famous for knowing it well. How may I be of service? Do you know anything about the array that's sending energy pulses to the fifth planet? I know enough to stay as far away from it as possible. Wait... Let me guess. You were wished away from somewhere else in the galaxy and brought here against your will. Sounds as though you've heard this story before. Sadly, yes. Thousands of times. Well, hundreds of times. Maybe 50 times. The caretaker has been bringing ships here for months now. The caretaker? That's what the Okampa call him. They live on the fifth planet. Did he kidnap members of your crew? As a matter of fact, he did. 
It's not the first time. Do you know where he might have taken them? Just that they're brought to the Ocampa. Uh, nothing more. We'd appreciate any help you could give us in finding these Ocampa. Oh, I, I, I really wish that I could help you. I, I do, but as you can see, there's just there's so much debris for me to investigate today. You'd be surprised. The things of value some people abandon. <laughs> of course we'd want to compensate you for your trouble. Ah, there's really very little that you could offer me. Unless. Yes. And unless, of course, you had... water. If you help us find our missing crew members, you can have all the water you want. Yeah, that's that's one of the pitches or one of the, the sort of uh, twists in this episode where these the Kazon on this fifth planet and the Ocampa, well, they're both in kind of need of water. And it's one of the scientific parts of this episode that doesn't really hold true. I mean, why didn't they make them need, like, uh, uranium or some more rare element? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't really add up. Being a scientist and myself, water is not that complex. I mean, they, there's any of these planets that have to support life life in, in terms of things that look like us that are that have bodies and are bipedal and have you know a lot of water in their in their themselves they, they would not really be you know they wouldn't be created or evolved there if there wasn't a source of water it just would, doesn't really make sense unless they were sort of moved to these other planets which i guess that's a possibility but it's not really what i think they were getting at in this one so we'll kind of leave that but that's what these people are all hot to trot for they want they need water so Neelix's ears uh, sort of light up and and about that and perk up and he decides to help Voyager uh, meet up with these uh, the Kazon who are these sort of warlike Klingon people on this planet and the Okampa who live underground and are sort of uh, the scientists and that the caretaker is sort of protecting from the Kazon and that's that's one of the big points of this episode. The, the caretaker has always sort of protected this Ocampa race, who Kess, played by uh, Jennifer, I think you say her last name, Lean or Line, uh, L-I-E-N. Jennifer uh, plays Kess, and she's a member of the Ocampa, who's this, it's uh, sort of always reminded me of the Morlocks and the Eloy from the uh, Time Machine movies, from H.G. Wells' Time Machine, where you've got the, the brutal race versus the sort of more serene race and they and they sort of have to battle it out a little bit and the caretaker has, has been protecting the Ocampa over the years and you know with um well i'll leave the audio to explain the situation and what the caretaker is really after i think there's some audio that'll explain that which uh we'll play next i think that yeah the next scene is there's a scene where they meet up with kess for the first time and I'm going to play that. Uh, this is about uh, Kess and the crew of Voyager. Would you be willing to take us underground to look for our missing crew? I'm afraid Jabin was right. There's no way to get down. The tunnel I came out has been sealed. We don't need a tunnel. We have the ability to transport there directly. Captain, our sensors did not pick up any indication of an underground civilization. The subterranean barrier Jabin described may be responsible. It might also block our transporter. There are breaches in the security barrier where it's begun to decay. That's how I got out. Have the transporter room begin a sweep for any breaches we might be able to beam through. Q. 
Kess can tell you where to go. But now that she's free, we're leaving this system together. Neelix, these people rescued me. I rescued you? With their help. It would be wrong not to help them now. Kess, uh, Kess's character was an interesting one. The Okampa uh, race that she belongs to have very short lifespans. I think it was supposed to be on the order of like seven, eight years long total. They never really explored that very much uh, in Voyager. That that she was was only you know only lived for this short period of time versus uh, other people. I thought it was a very interesting idea, and I was kind of uh, it's kind of a shame they never got a chance to explore that further. But let's uh, keep moving. Uh, the The next one, there's a scene where they're back on the, I think they're on the array at this point, or maybe they're on uh, down with the Okampa, which uh, Tuvok sort of has his theory about the caretaker and everything, and it, it he's pretty much right on, of course, and it kind of explains the situation to, to a degree, and I'll play that uh, now. Captain, there is now enough evidence to form a reasonable hypothesis. I believe that the caretaker is dying. Explain. First... He increases the energy supply to provide the city with a surplus to last at least five years. Then he seals the conduits. The logical conclusion is that he does not intend to continue his role as caretaker. That doesn't necessarily mean he's dying. He could be leaving. Doubtful. Not after a millennium of providing for these people. I believe that the caretaker owes something to the Okampa. I believe the debt that can never be repaid is very likely a debt to them. In addition, there were his frequent references to running out of time. I think he knew his death was imminent. If he dies, how the hell are we supposed to get home? So there's Tuvok's uh, theory on the whole situation. Pretty much right on. Uh, I'll play uh, the next clip I'm going to play here in a second is with uh, Janeway and the caretaker, which tells you a little bit more. He's basically been looking for uh, somebody to kind of take over for him, kind of like Willy Wonka was looking for in the, in the Willy Wonka chocolate factory. He needs a... Uh, kind of an apprentice or somebody to take over to the array and the protection of uh, of everyone uh, there, the Okampa. But uh, it, it's interesting and funny to me that he's he's had to, like, pull ships from clear across the galaxy to try to look for uh, somebody compatible uh, with him to take over. You couldn't find anyone a little bit closer to home, I guess not. So the next clip is with uh, the caretaker. So listen to this. I've been searching the galaxy for a compatible biomolecular pattern. Now, in some individuals, I found cellular structures that were similar, but I... You've been trying to procreate? I needed someone to replace me. Someone who would understand the enormous responsibility of caring for the Okampa. Only my offspring could do that. Yeah, one of uh, the interesting things that the caretaker mentions here, I didn't capture the audio of it particularly, but he mentions there's there's another sort of female caretaker out there somewhere in his area of space that um, Janeway uh, hears about, and, and they she makes mention of it in, in another clip I think I play here at the end. But there, I'm trying to recall right now, with you know throughout the run of voyager if they ever voyager ever ran into the other caretaker if anyone out there uh, remembers that or remembers the episode where that took place in you know shoot me an email treksf at gmail.com and let me know because right off the top of my head right now i can't recall if they ever did run into the other caretaker throughout their voyage back home so 
the next, uh, I've got a couple more clips to play, and then we're going to m- move off into uh, uh, our last segment about our fan focus segment. But there's two more here things to play. This, uh, the next one, the, the big decision, or the big thing that happens at the end of the episode that Janeway has to decide is this uh, Kazon group, who turn into be sort of their enemies in the early seasons of Voyager. They uh, they're trying to get a hold of the technology and get get a hold of of being in charge of that array thing. Now that the caretaker has sort of died and passed on, and Janeway has a decision to make. She can use the array to fling Voyager and and now the crew of the Maquis ship uh, also take them all back home. She can use the array for that, but that would leave the array intact. And the Kazon would get control of it. They would sort of become dominant, the dominant force and can maybe even wipe out the Okampa. But Janeway, in sort of Kirk fashion, decides to get involved to sort of violate, in a way, the Prime Directive. And she destroys, they destroy the Array, which basically strands them there, keeps the Array out of the Kazon's hands, but protects the uh, Okampa in that way. So uh, that's uh, the next clip where Janeway is... Uh, going to destroy basically their only way of getting home. Be advised, Captain. I have called for additional ships. I'm calling to warn you to move your vessels to a safe distance. I intend to destroy the array. You can't do that. I can, and I will. End transmission. They're increasing fire, Captain. Shields are holding. Move us 400 kilometers from the array, Mr. Paris. Yes, ma'am. What do you think you're doing? That array is the only way we have to get back home. I'm aware everyone has families and loved ones at home so they want to get back to. So do I. But I'm not willing to trade the lives of the Okumba for our convenience. We'll have to find another way home. What other way home is there? Who is she to be making these decisions for all of us? She's the captain. The Tricobalt devices are ready. We're in position. So that's that. This array is destroyed. They've got no easy way to get back home. So it's time to uh, time to wrap it up and, and set a course the the long way. And, and the next clip is uh, it's it's a good scene. This this wraps up the episode real well. This is Janeway kind of giving a speech to uh, both the crew of Voyager and the Maquis crew who has joined them. Just about everything and her what her plan is that she's going to get them home and they're not going to just uh, spend the seventy plus years to fly at warp speed home. They're going to look for other ways, try to hook up with people with other technologies that can help them. And and of course, uh, not much of a spoiler here because Voyager has been off the air for a few years, but they do eventually, of course, find their way home. The uh, the last cup. I'm going to play this for you, and then I'll be right back. We're alone in an uncharted part of the galaxy. We've already made some friends here and some enemies. We have no idea of the dangers we're going to face. But one thing is clear. Both crews are going to have to work together if we're to survive. That's why Commander Chakotay and I have agreed that this should be one crew. A Starfleet crew. And as the only Starfleet vessel assigned to the Delta Quadrant, we'll continue to follow our directive 
to seek out new worlds and explore space. But our primary goal is clear. Even at maximum speeds, it would take 75 years to reach the Federation. But I'm not willing to settle for that. There's another entity like the caretaker out there somewhere who has the ability to get us there a lot faster. We'll be looking for her. And we'll be looking for wormholes, spatial rifts, or new technologies to help us. Somewhere along this journey, we'll find a way back. Mr. Paris, set a course for home. Aye, Captain. So there you have the pilot episode of Voyager. I think it's a really good introduction to the whole crew. Uh, interesting things happen. It sets up the whole series, of course, with them being lost uh, so far from home. And they they just they have a lot of good episodes throughout the run. I'm gonna I'm gonna start looking at those periodically throughout the uh, upcoming weeks on the podcast. Uh, it's hard to, of course, uh, sprinkle in, you know, a Deep Space Nine, a Next Generation, a TOS episode. Uh, it's uh, there. There's so many Star Trek episodes out there. Obviously, it's it's difficult each week to decide which ones to to pick above others. But there'll be some Voyager, more Voyager uh, episodes being looked at uh, coming uh, in the upcoming shows. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm going to take a very, very short break here, and I'll be right back with our fan focus segment uh, with a discussion with Joby from the forums. Okay, this uh, this next segment, I had an idea of several weeks back where I wanted to take uh, different people that have either emailed me or members on the forums, people that are into Star Trek, sci-fi, Star Wars, whatever, and kind of do a sort of a little mini interview with them, put, uh, put them on the podcast to get other people's uh, views and perspectives on sci-fi and Star Trek out there besides just myself. Uh, I thought it'd be good... Good to do that. Uh, it kind of livens up the show a little bit more, get some other ideas flowing, and make things a little more interesting. So with that, I, I did this uh, discussion uh, over Skype uh, last weekend, I believe, with Joe B. on the forums. I wanted to mention, though, to begin with, I still, I'm still not having very good luck at getting a very solid, good way of recording Skype conversations. I went through yesterday and... I tried to clean up this this audio and balance it out a little bit. I usually end up having my voice is much louder than the person on the other end of the Skype call. I tried to boost up um, Joby's uh, comments each time, but it's 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 not perfect. But I think you'll be able to understand it. I'll boost it up a little bit when I when I dub it into the podcast here. But uh, with that, I'm going to get out of here. I, I will come back at the very end of this just to wrap up the show. I think that'll do it just about for this week. But here's Joby and me discussing uh, Star Trek and a few other things uh, for about the next, I think it's about 10 or 15 minutes long, and then I'll be right back to wrap up the show. Hey, everyone. This is Rico, and today we're going to start the first edition of what I'm going to call the 
fan focus part of the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. And the idea I have for this is to talk to somebody through Skype and the magic of the Internet and have them uh, kind of talk about themselves, what they like about Star Trek and Sci-Fi, and get a little bit more from uh, the other fans out in the world rather than just have me uh, rambling on every week. So I have on the Skype line Joby Trigub, who is out in the Pennsylvania area. Hey, Joby, how you doing? I'm doing good, Rico. Uh, I'm glad to talk oh. to you. And uh... Well, um, why don't you just kind of, for maybe the next minute or so, just kind of talk about yourself, you know, just let, let everyone know um, a little bit about Joby and maybe a little bit about uh, sci-fi that you like. All right, Rico. Well, I'm not sure how interesting this is going to be for all your listeners, but... Uh... Uh, I'm, I'm 37 years old. I've been into Star Trek almost as long as I can remember. Um, the uh, and that's probably primarily the the sci-fi that I'm interested in. Most of the uh, most okay. of my other mm-hmm. kind of most of my other kind of fantasy is um, I'm more into like the fantasy type Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm very much into the Anne McCaffrey's Dragon Riders series. My aunt. Ah, okay. But as far as Star Trek goes, it's, like I said, it's kind of as long as I can remember, uh, I've been into it, known about it and been into it. One of my earliest memories is going over to my friend's house who had the, the old Star Trek bridge, the Enterprise bridge playset. Uh, oh yeah, transporter. Yeah. It had the transporter where you put like the action figure in there, and you spin the transporter around and hit the button, and it made it look like oh, you were yeah. transporting away. And they were actually just kind of going yeah. out the back of the uh, playset. But that was one, one of my earliest things. Yeah. And we'd bring my action figures over, and he had a few action figures. And between the two of us, we had the whole bridge crew, and uh, we'd have many Good. adventures there. I yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I can I can remember that toy pretty well. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with that. And I think the earliest I remember seeing, uh, it might have been Star Trek II in the theaters, actually. I think I was a little young. Uh, I was nine or eight when the motion picture came out. So, But when Star Trek II came out, I remember yeah. very distinctly seeing that in the theaters several times and uh, really getting into the old the repeats of the series from that point on. And when, of course, when TNG came out, then I became a rabid fan. Yeah, did you, uh, so you were first introduced, though, to Star Trek with the original series, watching it in, in syndication, you know, reruns and that. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and really, after, after Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan came out was when I started to really take an interest in uh, the original series. Before that, it was more of just our own adventures with the action figures. You know, I'd seen a few episodes on TV and the animated series as well on Saturday mornings. I think I was actually introduced to the animated yeah. series before I was introduced to the original series. Um, from being on Saturday. Yeah, I think that may be the, you know? that may be the case. Yeah, that might be for uh, a lot of people that were young in the '70s, especially when the animated series was on. But there were they were obviously too young to see it in when it was first run, and and may uh, I'd say the the syndication really didn't start heavily going until even after the animated series, to a degree. So yeah, that's uh, that that I think caught a lot of kids' attention, especially being a Saturday uh, Saturday morning uh, television show. 
Yeah, I, I remember. But then you said you got into, you know, after after the wrath of. I'm sorry, you got cut off there. Yeah, you got into the next generation. Oh yeah, yes, I watched the next generation religiously. I was in college when uh, Next Generation came out, and uh, I would watch it week in and week out. And uh, I don't think I missed an episode. Um, and it's how about the other ones after the uh, Next Generation, Deep Space, Voyager? You you still continue to watch those and and even Enterprise? Well, to be to be perfectly honest, I think my favorite after TNG would have to be Enterprise. <laughs> um, I never really uh, Deep Space Nine kind of grabbed me later on. And Voyager never really did at all, to be honest with you. Um, I'm, I, I made a post today on your, uh-huh. on your forums that uh, I'm looking forward to the prices going down on the Voyager disc so I can watch those. I think I've probably only seen about half the Voyager episodes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to watching those and really seeing what I've missed. I've probably seen most of the DS9. In, well, they, uh, the, you know, yeah, the nice I, thing I, these I, days is the, you know, the whole cable system. With all the cable yeah, channels, got, you can you can catch these things on almost all the time. We just got DV, we just got DVR in my our new home, so I can record them and uh, watch them at my leisure. Uh, it's definite. It's a definite improvement in technology. Good, one of the, good. One of the better, one of the better uh, technological improvements I have to say is DVR TiVo. Yes, it's. Uh, I don't know how I lived without it bef- before. Uh, before I had it, you know. Now it's become such a convenience. Yeah. So you said you were, you enjoy also fantasy. I I'm yeah, I'm also a, a fan of you know Lord of the Rings, the McCaffrey Dragon books. Uh, I can remember really distinctly reading those. Uh, I kind of fell out a little. I mean, they seem to put out a new book you know, almost too often. Uh, are you still reading those, you know, the Dragon Rider books? Um, you know, I read the, I read the, uh, the original trilogy and the Dragon Drums trilogy or the, the Harper Hall trilogy and a few of the ones after that. And then I, I, I'm right. with you that I just kind of lost, I, lo- I don't know if I lost interest as much as, uh, you know, I would have preferred that they really kind of continued the story of the characters that I already knew, rather than kind of introduce all the new characters and expand the world even more than that she did. Um, but you know, there's there's how about there's the uh, really how about enjoy. Dragon Lance books? Uh, I love the uh, the Weiss and Hickman ones. I'm not I'm not real crazy about. I haven't found too many other writers that. Uh, that I really liked in that series, but uh, the the uh, some of the characters that that Margaret Weiss and I think it's Tracy Hickman, I believe, is the other her husband. Um, yeah, some of the characters yeah. are so are so wonderful. Wonderful, the Raceland character, the mage, and uh, his brother Cameron, Cameroon, Cameron. Uh, it's been a while, Rico, since I've read those. Uh, yeah, I was, yeah, I was a D and D fan in college as well. Yeah. So, uh, when, when I started playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends, ah, good, good. I've, uh, I'm afraid you're cutting in and out. Yeah, that's uh, that. I used to everything. do that quite a bit, also. So, what about uh, let's say maybe current television? Are you interested in any of the current sci-fi that's on TV right now, like the Stargates, the Battlestar Galactica? Well, it, uh, I haven't watched it, but um, you know, based on your recommendation, I'm definitely going to watch the uh, Battlestar Galactica series. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to how I'm going to ever catch up with the first two seasons. I don't think they're out on DVD, at least not yet. 
Right. And, uh... Yeah, they've got the, uh, first season and half of the second season of Battlestar is out, and the second half is coming oh, out is soon. You, so you did see the recent special, the... the yeah, you saw the recent yeah, Battlestar special where they caught you up. It said something like it, the name of the special. Yeah, they did a real good job, uh, I think, summarizing what's going on. I feel like I'm going into it now knowing uh, a little bit about you know what's going on. Of course, if I remember the original series, I was a big fan of the original series back in the day. I was definitely not too young for that one. Battlestar and Buck Rogers. Yeah. I, th- I think you had a couple. You had a couple podcasts about those good. shows. Good. Uh, a while back, I really did enjoy those, uh, kind of reminiscing about those old shows. Yeah, th- those are, uh, I mean, they're they're still fun to me. They uh, they still kind of have their place, but there uh, there's some good stuff on there these days. And how about uh, as far as movies? Are you? Um, I've I've done a few podcasts about Star Wars. I know sometimes the Star Trek fans are not necessarily Star Wars fans. How about, uh, what do you what do you think about the Star Wars movies? Uh, well, Star Wars, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, Rico, and uh, I had, I've had so many different variations, like pretty much everything Lucas releases, uh, I wind up getting one way or the other. I've had, I think, six different copies of the movies on video cassette, and I had them on video disc when I was a kid. And I have the DVDs, and I'm most likely going to get the uh, new DVDs that are coming out this, I think, November they're coming out, or sometime soon, with the uh, original theatrical versions. Um, I'm afraid I'm just... Actually, they're, yeah, they're, that goes. they'll be out in, I think, this week. There's, no, they're coming out uh, this week, coming in, a, in like, oh, this excellent. Tuesday, September 12th. Yeah. So you can go out and... I think they're uh, they'll be out all all three of the original movies with the original versions along with the the updated uh, special editions all on the same disc. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I was a little bit disappointed with the. Are you uh, much of a, uh, a a collector, Joby? I'm not, Rico. In fact, uh, I think I mentioned that to you in the email I sent you a little while ago that. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, my, my I'm, I'm, I don't take care of my things very yeah. well. I don't have the I don't, I'm a little bit of a slob, and uh, I don't have the kind of uh, dedication to, that it takes to to take care of my toys. Unfortunately, um, so my things tend to get ruined. Well, you, you're <laughs> so you're probably lucky. You're probably luckier that way. Uh, I, I find I find enough to waste my money on Rico that I probably. My wife would kill me if I uh, if I brought expensive toys into the house. Okay, <laughs> but um, no, I'm actually I, I most of my most. Of yeah, my it takes it takes a certain uh, situation. <laughs> Maybe if I doubled my salary, I could. Uh, I, I, I sometimes I see things that I that you know really do would like to pick up, but uh, you know I gotta I gotta. I gotta think of my personal safety <laughs> when it comes to uh, my wife might uh, take it out of my behind if I if I spend some of the, some money on on action figures and now things it, like that. Yeah, is is she a? Uh, I always like to ask uh, if uh, guys are um, if your wives or girlfriends, and in your case, your wife, is she a fan at all of science fiction, Star Trek, or Star Wars? Um, she, 
she enjoys the Star Wars movies, I think, a little bit, and I actually got her into the Lord of the Rings, uh, but I think before before we got together, it was not something that really interested her very much. Uh, I think slowly, she thinks, unfortunately, I have to say, she thinks Star Trek, Trek okay. is kind of silly. Her mom, her mom is a huge Star Trek fan, and I think it's maybe a little bit of rebellion on her part that she's not a Star Trek fan. Her mom, her mom and I, it's what we it's what we always talk about whenever we get together. We always talk about Star Trek. She's a big Next Generation fan, and uh, I think she used to make her watch it when she was a kid or something like that. So now uh, she's kind of rebelled and uh, refuses to watch it with me. But there's nothing she well, can say when I bring my That's Star a different. It's one thing. It's one thing where I draw the line is uh, I'm definitely I, when I bring my Star Trek DVD. That's an interesting uh, situation. But uh, slowly but surely, I'm getting her into some things. There's a lot of classic movies that she's never yeah, seen. Yeah, it's uh, unusual you know? for. Uh, it's unusual, Rico. You yeah, the I was gonna say the it's unusual for uh, for uh, somebody you know that I've known that their mom was the one. Yeah, it was unusual yeah, for the mom yeah, to be the one that would be interested. For example, my uh, my wife's my wife's father, my my father-in-law is is a pretty big Star Trek fan, but uh, my mother-in-law is not at all so and and my wife just kind of she's seen some of the movies and the shows of course but she's not really much of a fan so well was there um as far as sci-fi and and fantasy either tv movies books was there anything else that uh you haven't mentioned that you might want to about what you like and and or maybe perhaps so what you're looking forward to in the future maybe with the next trek movie or 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 what your hopes are well, I'm definitely anxiously awaiting to see what they do with, uh, you know, Star Trek Eleven. I think it's. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they make some uh, some decisions. Uh, the, the latest news I've heard is that they're they're maybe re- rethinking rethinking the whole uh, young Kirk and young Spock idea, and that might not be where they're going with it. And quite frankly, uh, I'd like to see something maybe a little different than that. But I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, that it'll be interesting to see what happens. It's still a long way away. It's like two two years away. But uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up, and we can just chat informally for a, a couple more minutes. But for uh, this first uh, little installment of fan uh, focus, I guess for Trex and Sci-Fi, I want to thank uh, Joby a lot for taking some time out tonight to to talk to us. So thank you, Joby. But hang on the line, and and we'll have a a little bit more off off uh, offline to discussion. Okay, thank you, Rico. Well, again, I'd like to just thank Joby for taking the time out to do that sh- that uh, fan bit with me, that fan focus segment. I-, I enjoyed it greatly, and I'm looking for other people. Send me an email if you're interested, or or let me know on the forums if you're a member there. I'd be happy to talk to you and do this uh, same kind of thing that I did with Joby with you sometime. For that, I, I, I'm going to say again, the, the podcast I know ran longer than I normally do, but most people have always written me and said they don't have a problem with that, and they actually like it when it's longer, so I'm not going to worry about it too much. Uh, no real time for any collectible discussion this week. I wanted to even start another contest, but look for that on next week's podcast, next weekend show there will be a contest, and there will also be uh, some collectible talk next week. I may get a Wednesday show in this week. That's always going to be sort of up in the air, depending on how the week goes. But 
Until next weekend, uh, you know, take a look at the website. You'll see what's coming up on the show. And until then, everyone stay safe, stay healthy, and check out your local listings for those enhanced Star Trek episodes that are starting to show now. They're a lot of fun to watch, especially after 40 years of seeing uh, the same episodes. It's always uh, nice to see uh, some added new little things uh, that they're doing on the show. So that's it. Rico signing off for this week. Thanks for listening, everyone. I appreciate it. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.